Hello, this is Calvin Driscoll, and I want to welcome you to the Real Leaders Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip you with godly leadership skills that can be applied to all areas of your life. Throughout this podcast, my dad, Pastor Mark Driscoll, will be sitting down with some world-renowned pastors and ministry leaders to learn what it really means to be a real leader. For more content like this, we encourage you to visit realfaith.com. Now, enjoy today's Real Leader Podcast. Pastor Mark here. We're talking about uh, preaching the Bible while driving the Bronco. Got a road trip. Going to do, I don't know, maybe six part series on preaching and teaching. So, a little bit about uh, me. I grew up in the Catholic Church, wasn't a lot of preaching and teaching. And then uh, got saved in college at the age of 19. God spoke to me, said, Mary Grace, preach the Bible, train men, plant churches. So that's what I've been doing since I was 19. And God told me, preach the Bible. So that's what I've been doing now. I think around 26 years as a senior pastor. I preached through more than half of the books of the Bible or taught through them in some form or fashion. I went and got a bachelor's degree in speech from the Edward R. Murrow School of Communication. At least at the time, it was one of the top communication programs in the country, and they got a master's in uh, theology from uh, Western Seminary, a good Bible school. And today, uh, just talking about preaching and teaching, and uh, for those of you who are young preachers and teachers, I'm going to verbal process while I'm driving home. The first thing I would say is uh, don't get discouraged. You know, Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outliers, he says it takes like 10,000 hours to be world class at anything. So if you want to, you know, learn how to hit a slap shot in hockey or play a violin in an orchestra or hit a free throw, you're going to need about 10,000 hours to be world class. And so when it comes to preaching and teaching, just get all the reps in you can. Uh, when I was pre- starting to preach and teach, I was like, man, I will preach and teach. You got a Bible study, you got a class, you got a Sunday school, you got a church. I mean, I'm your guy. I'm your free guy. I'll come and do it, man. I put a King James Bible in my hand, put a suit on to go fill a pulpit for a bunch of grandmas. I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes to get some time. And if you can teach the same message more than once, it'll really help you improve in your preaching and teaching uh, because you'll get to see people's feedback and reactions. You'll also get to figure out the cadence and the rhythm. In addition, if people come up after the sermon or the class or the talk or whatever you do, and they get to ask you questions, they're helping dial it in. So the next time you teach it, you're like, hey, I know some of you are thinking or you have these objections. And people are like, oh my gosh, that guy read my mind. No, he just has said this a few times and he knows what the questions and objections are. So don't be discouraged. Preach and teach all you can. Get your hours in. It's like driving a stick shift. It's a little rough at first, but you figure it out as you go. And the key is just don't end up in the ditch. So today I want to talk about some really simple, practical stuff, technical stuff about uh, preaching and teaching. And uh, first thing is the microphone. You got to figure out what kind of microphone you want to use. You want to use a handheld for some reason. A lot of Pentecostal guys do. A lot of comedians still use one. They'll use it as a prop. Um, I like the uh, Countryman headset. It's 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 the best rig, I think. Um, some people like a clip-on. I don't like it because when you move around, it's not necessarily a good omnidirectional mic. So it sounds like you're fading away, and then it gets loud, and it's hard to follow. I like a good Countryman. It stays in place. If you've got a beard, make sure it doesn't get all caught up in your beard. And um, I. Uh, 
I found I found a black countryman, so it does fit my black beard. And I kind of like that because then you can barely even tell that I'm wearing a mic and I like to hide the technology as much as I can and not make it too prominent and visible. But here's the key with your mic. Turn it on when you get on the stage and turn it off when you leave. Every preacher has the story of one time I was going to the bathroom and my mic was on. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want your mic on while you're singing because there's a reason you're not the worship guy. When you sing, it sounds like you got captured by Al-Qaeda and we don't need to hear that on the speaker. I love to sing, but nobody wants to hear it. Between here and heaven, I'm sure there's auto-tune and God filters it. By the time it gets to his presence, it's amazing. Uh, but when it first leaves my lips, it's pretty horrifying. And uh, this is really building rapport with whomever is running the soundboard and saying, please turn my mic off on the board when I'm not up. But the truth is, at some point, every sound person is going to forget. And so what I even like to do when I get up, if I've got a handheld, I even like to hold it up, show the sound guy, I'm here, and I like to make sure that it's on. Um, if you've got a pack, you know, just make sure it's on. Another technical thing that I like to do, I like to use a piece of kind of invisible, um, what's it called, uh, tape, not just tape, but medical tape, and then I tape it right on the base of my neck. I don't like the clips on the shirt because they tend to stick out and you can see the wire. Um, if you don't clip them, you're going to be pulling on your mic and it's going to adjust on your face and your mic's going to go up and poke your eye out and then you got to start preaching with an eye patch and do a pirate outreach. You don't want those kinds of technical malfunctions. And so um, it's really testing what is the range now that I've locked into my mic, how is the audio, and it's always good for you to get up um, and to do a sound check um, before you teach and just read some of your text and raise your voice and let your sound person EQ in your room. Another technical thing that I would encourage you is everybody's got a different way of preaching and older styles were manuscript. Write down every word and sort of stand in the pulpit and read it. Um, that is pretty boring and it's hard to use your hands, get animated, respond to the crowd, work the crowd, tell some jokes. If they feel convicted, stop and you know unpack it. If you feel like you need to pray for them, then stop and intercede for the people. It really limits your freedom. Uh, in addition, you know, today some guys are going or gals are going or whoever's teaching uh, with a teleprompter and that's more what the politicians do. But you got to be very careful because if you're just reading the teleprompter, you're not paying attention to the people in the room and you create a very distant experience between you and the people in the room. Uh, I like to put the scripture and the big points up on the side screen. I like a side camera angle and a front facing shot. Um, the reason I like the front facing shot is you know, see me while I'm teaching and get the body language. The reason I like the side shot is so that when I read from the screen, you can see the text on the screen and you can see me interacting with the text. Um, and I like to keep my notes in my Bible. I don't use an iPad or technology. Um, there's always a possibility of failure with it, of course, but also I just like to hold the Bible. And I put my notes in the Bible, but for me, the notes are more of a compass than a map. Some people like their sermon notes to be a map, and it literally maps out every single step. 
I'm not that guy. I verbal process a lot. I'm an external thinker. I don't really have much of an internal voice. Sometimes that's funny. Sometimes it gets me protested. Either way, it's exciting. Uh, if you're a person who likes to verbal process, think on your feet, interact with the crowd, be free in the moment. What you need for your notes is a compass, not a clock. And so my notes most of the time are no more than two pages. I usually put photos of these on social media for what it's worth. Other guys do the same and I think it's a good idea just to see how different people put their notes together. And what I don't put are whole statements or thoughts. I just kind of put phrases that trigger for me what I'm supposed to say at that moment. Uh, and usually, a good percentage of the sermon is made up extemporaneously as I stand there. Um, sometimes I will skip parts, and the sermon will vary for me from one sermon to the next. And so, like, when I used to preach, I think the most was like six or seven times the same sermon on a Sunday, an hour plus a pop suicide mission. Would not recommend that to anybody. Uh, the sermon would vary. And now I do Saturday night to Sunday morning. I've got three times at Trinity Church in Scottsdale. And the sermons sometimes will be very similar. And sometimes all three are very different. Sometimes I'll be in the middle of one sermon and I'll just feel led down a different rabbit trail or the Holy Spirit will bring something to mind. Or I feel like God is working with the people. So I got to just kind of pull over the car and all right, let's get out and talk about this. Other times, you know, they're, they're laughing, they're engaged. Other times, it's like you're holding a Librarians for Christ meeting and you can't get them to respond to save your life. And so uh, preaching is a live exercise and the pacing is very different when you don't have anybody in the room and you're practicing at home. That's the other thing. I'll go through my notes, but I don't practice my sermon before I preach it and I don't listen to my sermon after I preach it. I just do it, and then whatever it is, it is. But you got to find out what works for you. And what I would say is everybody's different. The preparation is different. Their notes are different. Their process is different. Their day of is different. Their delivery is different. And, uh, and you've got to figure out if your notes are going to be more of a compass or more of a map. The last thing I would say is, uh, from a technical standpoint, don't just speak to the people in the room. Speak to the people that you want in the room. So, for example, uh, when we started um, Trinity Church in Scottsdale, um, it was a small Bible study. There was no, I didn't even have a sound system. I mean, this was five years ago. God's been gracious. Things are amazing. But they started very simply as a church plan. No mic and just me and the crowd in the room. And, and, uh, and so I'm talking about now, hey, you men, you husbands, you fathers, you young men, and somebody walked up, they're like, hey man, we're a small Bible study. There's not there's not a ton of men here. I'm like, that's right, but I'm calling for them. If I only preach to the people in the room, I won't get any other people in the room. I do want to have a church that really does focus on reaching and raising up men to love the Lord and to love their wives and to love their kids and to lead their families as God would have them. And so let's say you've got mainly women in the room. If all you ever do is talk to the women, you're never going to get men. When you start talking to men, then what happens is people go and they're like, they tell their husband, their father, their brother, their boyfriend, hey, you got to come to my church. You know, he speaks to men. Um, and so I started talking to men. And now the biggest singular gathering in our church outside of the main service is men's ministry. It's real men. 
but it's by speaking to the men that we got men into the room. And so don't just preach to, and so if, if you're like, why well, don't, I don't share the gospel and make an invitation because I know there's no non-Christians in the room. Stop, preach the gospel, make an invitation. And what you're doing is then you're encouraging people to invite lost people into the room. So don't just preach to the people you have, preach to the people you want and the people that God has called you to. And don't be shocked if the people start bringing them. The other technical issue that I want to hit is you need to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That in the moment, you need to have your sermon laid out, but you need to be free to pivot. And so some people, they will get so committed to their notes uh, that they, they don't they don't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is gonna have you go a different direction. Um, I'll be honest, most of my jokes, most of my illustrations, most of my cross references are made up in the moment. I just extemporaneously kind of feel the moment. And most of the time the conclusion is made up while I'm standing there and I just kind of see, okay, where did the sermon go? Where are we? Where's the room? What am I feeling? And I tend to be very intuitive. Not everybody's like that. That's okay. As long as God's word is preached, you know, you do whatever is best for you. But every preacher, either a teacher or a small group leader or a Sunday school leader, youth pastor, just be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are um, seven churches in Revelation, and uh, they all are given different directives from the Lord in, I think it's Revelation 2 and 3. But the one thing that is said that every one of the churches is, let the churches hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so the big idea is this, the Holy Spirit has something unique and special to say to every church. And uh, and you gotta hear what he has to say to your church. And sometimes he may tell you in advance, and sometimes it may just hit you in the moment. And uh, as a result, you may need to go down a different rabbit trail. You may need to quote a different scripture. You may need to tell a different illustration. You may need to stop and rebuke the people. You may need to stop and encourage the people. You may need to stop and just preach a blessing over the people. And uh, whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do in that moment, that would be absolutely the right thing to do. But if you get so committed to your notes and so committed to your, I have 39 minutes and 32 seconds to deliver and I got 42 points and, I, you know, it's just, I don't know. I'll be honest, my preaching times are ish. I'm around an hour-ish, give or take 15 minutes. And uh, I just tell the team, hey, the preaching of God's word is central. We sing before, we sing after. I want people to respond to God's word. We do prayer and communion after the sermon. But at the end of the day, you know, if I feel like as the senior pastor and the Bible teacher, there's something that the Holy Spirit is doing or wanting me to say or lead in, I need to have the freedom to do that. And so it is different in that way. It is a supernatural moment. It's a meeting and gathering with God. And if the people see that you are attuned to the Holy Spirit and responsive to his leadership, then they will do the same. And that creates just a breathability and a freedom in the congregation. So that's a couple thoughts on the technical. I'll hit the emotional coming up next. And uh, that's the Bible from the Bronco. Um, love this Bronco, by the way. Uh, twin turbos, over 300 horsepower, 400 pounds of foot torque, 10-speed transmission, heading home from the mountains, cruise control set on something that I can't tell you uh, because I believe in grace. 
and I'm not exactly the speed limit. See you for the next one. We hope today's message impacted you and they will continue to bless your life and legacy for generations to come. For more Real Leaders content, visit realfaith.com slash realleaders. And to sign up to get Real Leaders content straight to your inbox, visit realfaith.com slash sign up.